All right, we are up. My name is Luke Such. This is Caleb's podcast. He happens to be my brother. If I sound a lot like him, you might be confused in the midst of this. Uh, we've we've been told we sound a lot alike before, but we are doing a podcast today, going into a little bit of a deeper dive on Classical Roots Christian School. I am here. I'm on the board of the school. My brother, Caleb. Caleb. Caleb, hey, there he is. And Linda, who is the head of the school, we're going to chat through a few things related to that. So really, we're going to break this down into two parts. First, kind of, is more uh, questions directed at Caleb. How did this came about? How we got to where we are today? What's driving it? And then uh, some other questions about education more broadly for Linda and, and things about CRCS more specifically. So, Caleb, we start with you first. Embarrassingly, get it out of the way. Yes, right. Well... W- well, hold hold on. No, no, no. I've got something I've got to say before you even get to talk. Oh, I thought you already asked me a question. No, no, that wasn't a question. <laughs> One of the things that I appreciate about you is, well, on the negative side, you talked way too strong about way too many things, but you are sincere and you actually live out what you talk about. So you've been talking about this and and sometimes too, I, I mean, I joke about it. I say every person who walks into Caleb's office, he tells about this school. I wish he'd stop telling people about, yes, Linda, you feel free to go ahead and laugh at that. Um, wish you'd stop doing it. That being said, uh, in terms of giving effort and finances and thought and your life to making something happen, uh, you do that, so... Kudos to you from your younger brother. Can you remember how long I've been saying we're going to start a school? Ooh, years. Multiple. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I have the first day marked in my head. Do you have it? Yeah, I have a time frame. And it's funny because it kind of is the same way that you and I started living together on the same piece of property. Yeah, you're going to have to explain that. We- I know, I know. <laughs> so... When I got back from chiropractic school, I moved home and lived with our parents for like six months before I moved cool. into a house. Cool, yeah, man. it was really great. <laughs> 26 years old, <laughs> moved back in with mom and pa. It was awesome. But we had always did said... Did she cook your breakfast for you? Nah, yeah, yeah, she probably, probably did. did. Yeah, I ain't own that. I, I just own it. I couldn't... I tried to think back of... Yeah, she probably did. <laughs> but I had said we're going to all live on the same property, and we drew it out on a napkin. Yeah, we've been talking about that for at least a decade. And the way that I do things, and many people start to figure this out, is that I just say that we're doing them, and then we do them. Yeah, because you've... you've that's how I have to do You it. have to, because of the social embarrassment that would come if you don't follow through. It is, it is myself keeping myself accountable. <laughs> hmm. So uh, it's almost a way of manifest destiny, right? I can't do something unless I say that I'm going to do it. And part of what makes Linda and I like that I don't think a lot of people know is when I say, I'm going to start a school. Do you know how many people say, you're an idiot and there's no way you can start a school? Most of them. And I go, watch me. (laughs) It is like that, me saying it and you denying it is the food that I need to make it happen. And so that's almost a big reason of why I do it. Yes. um, Just kind of to add on to that, I, you know, felt like the Lord was steering in me for the last, I don't know, maybe six months to a year about this idea. And when I would share it with people, they would basically say, you can't do that. Yeah. You know, you can't do that. So I don't know that I think only one time I said it externally, but in my brain, I was like, okay, game on. Yeah. 
So, so both of you have got a chip on your shoulder is exactly. what I'm hearing. The, the, the word can't is a potty word in our house. We get spankings for the word can't in our house. So many comments to be made, and I'm going to leave all of those on the table. All right, so I, that's, that's how, when that came about. What's the why? Why do you want to do a, be a part of starting a school? Well, we didn't really get all the win. Okay, the, keep going. The win, um, it's, it really started with me when um, COVID made public schooling very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went to a few school board meetings because I was asked. I, ha I didn't have kids in school. Right. And I had a parent, um, a, a patient who was a parent of a public school, say, hey, will you please come to the school board meeting and advocate for our children? And what they were asking me to do was advocate for our children to have medical choice, whether or not you know they drank out of the drinking fountain or wore a mask or got to do recess. Like these things were um, medical decisions were being put on children without parents' consent, and they mm -hmm. felt that that was a violation. So I went to the school board meeting, and when I sat there, um, it was just ugly. There were two opposing sides. None of them were being nice to each other. There was so much anger at mm. each other on either side of the aisle. And then in between that were all of the kids. And some of the kids were brought up by their parents, led up and said, you tell them why this makes you feel bad. And it was on both sides. And I'm like, oh gosh, this is not good. <laughs> and I just, I walked away from that after getting laughed at, yelled at. I, um, it wasn't a very comfortable situation to be in, and I was trying to have some form of grace and some form of expertise coming from a medical side of things to where I said, I'm starting a new school. Uh, I said, I'm going to start a school. And it was because of so much anger and animosity that was there. And one of the reasons why is because um, I'm going to really butcher the quote, and I can't even remember the guy who said it. It was an architect, but he said, you don't fix things from being on the inside and trying to fix them. How you fix things is you start something new that makes the old model obsolete. Mm. You may agree or disagree with that. I think we could talk for a long time on that. It just feels and felt inherent to me. I don't try to typically fix things. I like to try to create new things that are better. Mm. And so I said, we're going to start a school. And it's not that I'm trying to start a school that was better. It was just came out of COVID that was a really weird thing where everyone was at each other's throats. And I wanted to start a new school. And I read multiple books, and then that's how it actually started. I was like, oh, my goodness, education can be done very differently. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, to, to your quote there, because um, we, we're pretty adamant, and I think Linda's been steering this ship in this direction, and I'm really grateful for it. We're not against public school. Nope. We're not against <clears throat> private school. I'm not against you. Homeschool, I'm not against any of those things. That being said, um, we do think that there are some unique opportunities that aren't really served in our area, and we'd like to try and help serve our communities and families in that way. And with some of those ideas that you talk about, when you look historically, the ideas of the Enlightenment don't take hold in Europe in the same way that they do in America because there's all kinds of historical baggage. Right. There's, you know, there's decades worth of monarchies and centuries worth, and, and it's hard for those ideas to take hold as deeply Whereas in the blank slate of the new world, right, the Enlightenment ideas are able to kind of flower in a way that they couldn't with all of the, the background and history. So to the idea of creating new things, it allows you to implement the best of what we've learned yes. and say, all right, we get a blank slate. If we were going to start it from the beginning, what would we do? And that's, 
That's well, what we did. Here we are. So what we did was I went went out and I said, oh, I'm going to start a school. I have no idea how to start a school. So what did I do? I went backwards. I tried to find a school board and we sat down and said, how how would we do this? Yeah, and to that point, we, as we mentioned to you, not a school board. We were a breakfast club that we talked were. about school for there for a little while. We did. But, it was a good breakfast club. It wasn't bad until Linda showed up. I don't think we could have rightfully been called a school board. Well, um, yeah, that's that's pretty true, <laughs> which is why people probably kept saying you can't do this. You don't know how. But that's not stopped me before. Well, no, that's definitely true. Okay, one more question for you before we turn to Linda and start talking about education. Of your endeavors, and you have three very big ones on your mind Mm -hmm. right now, medicine, food, and education, which one is the most difficult to solve and which one is the most needed? You thought I don't listen to your podcast right here. I got you. I got you cornered. The most difficult one to solve is the education piece. Okay, we did not talk about this beforehand. That is your on, and I I know you well enough to know you're not going to lie your way through an answer. No. Why is education the most difficult in you, Caleb Such's opinion? Um, it's probably the most difficult one to solve because there are. Um, it has the shortest history of alternative options being acceptable. Hmm. So there's kind of a machine, um, and what I mean by the machine is like the the belief of the collective, right? So there's a lot of people, many, that don't view allopathic medicine or Western medicine as the only option. There's sure. other things. Sure. And so it's really easy for me to be, to land on a foundational level when someone comes in and they know I'm not going to prescribe them a, a drug. Yeah, there's a group of people that are already signed on to that approach. They're there. Yeah. Same with food. Um, food actually has been reversed. Food has been done one way for a really long time, and it's only been very recent that we started doing something different with it. Yep. The problems with food, with solving food, um, are very different. But the educational model, I think a lot of us, myself included, until I started reading some books. On that food one as well, there's probably a group of people ready and wailing, right? Like I've been doing. heard a thing on raw milk recently, like it's the weirdest conglomeration of people. You know, like you've got like homeschool families buying like 12 gallons at a time, and you've got like Ivy League professors who are buying raw milk. Yes. Like this weird conglomerate. That is an interesting. uh... It's like Costco. It's the great social equalizer. (laughs) Everybody's there. Okay, sorry. Back to the third one, education. So education is going to be the most difficult because the collective, the machine, has been doing it for so long for a, a, a certain way that changing the minds of that it could be done a different way I think is going to be more difficult now. I'm not sure I, I would agree with that one because I'm when you say so long. I'm talking 100 years rather than the education or the, um, the food or the, the medicine. F- correct. So the food model, we've only started poisoning our food in 1990. <laughs> Okay. All right. So nineteen early nineties, mid nineties was say, when we started I, really messing I with that. Except that timeline, then yes, the education model has, so, was far more entrenched than that. If if that's the case, I'm not sure that I I'm not that uh, knowledgeable on this subject, so I don't have any way to dispute you on it. But but I will tell you, I want to add to the part of that answer. Okay. I think the most important thing that my office is doing right now is actually the farm. Hmm. Everybody eats. Everybody eats. It is also the foundation of how your body works. So 
you can't get an education if you um, are completely dysfunctional yeah. body-wise. And I wasn't trying to really tie those two in, but I really do think the food problem is the most important one we're trying to solve. If most important education you would call is the hardest. Yes. Huh. Education is the hardest. Food's the most important. I, I would think that food would have the quickest return on investment as well. Because uh, education is a, is a long-term play, right? You're looking at year, decades, really, before you start going, this approach to education is yielding results. It takes a long time to grow and form and shape and build character in a person. Yeah, and we've already grown uh, bean sprouts. You've already grown bean sprouts. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Get your bean sprouts, Crossroads <laughs> Wellness Center. All right, uh, we're moving on. Caleb, you are welcome to jump in on any of Linda's questions if you want. But uh, Linda, what significant changes have you had in your own personal views on education? Yeah, that's, that's really a good question. Um, I like to be a learner, and I like to see things change, so maybe that's kind of unique. But um, over education, really over the decades that I've been involved, education has changed. Sure. It's just not dramatically, whether we went from you know, phonics to whole language, and there was the open classroom, and there's there's been all kinds mm-hmm. of different movements. But nothing's really stuck because I think it takes so much momentum to keep driving it. Um, mm. When people push back, then I think you tend to pull up stake and say, okay, we'll go back to what we know has worked up till now. And I agree with Caleb. I think that COVID um, game-changed a lot of areas of our life, but education being one of them. Sure. I have two daughter-in-laws who had elementary kids um, they got promoted to homeschooling. Um, they got promoted to e-learning, and um, that was just a tough move. That yeah. was a tough move. They did. What ages? Uh, let's see. We at the beginning we would have had a kindergartner, we, two kindergarten. They can't read. They're not independent at all. Um, we had a second grader and, a, and an upper elementary. So just really tough years, and yeah. to watch that happen. Because I wasn't the one doing the education. I wasn't the hands-on. I got the, the balcony seat where I got to watch what happened. <laughs> um, and that just gave me a whole new perspective because I would often think, are we doing this the right way? You know, is, the, are we, is it the right content? Is mm. it the right order? Is it right? Was that the first time you um, were in the balcony seat? Yep. Because you'd been in the yep. teacher's seat I had forever. always been, you know, engaged in either as a teacher or an administrator. So I'm kind of on the flywheel you know, running yeah. the flywheel, kind of keeping it going and not thinking out of the box a lot because you didn't really have time to do that. Quickly, can you give your like 60 second background in education? Sure. Um, started out as a teacher, did um, kindergarten. In public school. First in public school. Yeah. Had seven great years there. Yeah. I shared my faith every um, year. I read the nativity story. Um, yeah. So prayed with my parents before but that was 30 years ago, and you were allowed to do that. Fast mm-hmm. forward to today, that wouldn't happen. Right. And eventually, then I um, left education, and my husband offered me a full-time job with half the pay year-round with no benefits. And you know what? You do not get those kind of offers very often. So I was like, Jumped I'd, at it. I'd be a fool to pass this <laughs> up. Know. So I left that and went into um, children's ministries, being a director for seven years, and um, got my master's during those seven and became an elementary principal. 
and um, enjoyed that, thought that was probably my career, and then went to, I uh, got a telephone call from a school to be the high school principal, and I told them I probably couldn't do that because they were all taller than I was, so, um, <laughs> but I'm um, just decided, How tall well, are you, Linda? Yeah, I'm a strong five foot one, strong <laughs> five foot one, um, so I, you know, my husband and I talked about it and prayed about it, and I thought, I really do like new challenges and something new, so mm. I gave that a try, and hopefully was successful, and then our head of school left, and uh, I think they had no other candidates, so they offered me the job of head of school. Candidates, so victims, victims, you know, same yeah, thing. Very yeah. short hiring list, so, yeah. <laughs> um, so I did that for seven years, so kind of have been through... Um, I taught elementary, middle school, elementary principal, and high school principal, and then head of school. So See, kind of a progressive. At one point, you were one of my sixth grade teachers. Well, there you go. No yeah. wonder why you turned out so I, well. This is it. <laughs> I, I attribute it all to that sixth grade class that I had with you. Okay. Oh, sorry. I interrupted you. You're talking significant changes in your views on education, like big milestone markers for you. Yeah, I just think for me during COVID, watching my mm -hmm. grandchildren struggle, and they did, um, than watching, um, watching my daughter-in-law's um, right. struggle. And then I kept just thinking, isn't there a better way than this? Isn't there a better way we can deliver content and engagement? And um, so I think that started me on my journey. And then a friend of mine out of the blue invited me to go to a conference. I knew nothing about the conference, but we took off and went. And this is the first time I heard about classical mm. um, at education. As a matter of fact, I had one family uh, in my school every year. He would come make an appointment with me when I was high school principal, and he would say, Mrs. Pearson, could you and I talk about classical Christian education and transferring <laughs> Blackhawk to that? And I would tell him, you know what we have going on right now works really well, so I think we're not interested in changing, but thank you. Really, I just didn't know enough about classical mm -hmm. Christian education. So um, as I went to a conference, heard about it, learned about it. Um, I was just really interested in the, just the foundational truths of it. Um, yeah, just it really made my heart drift there. And then when I went to a, another conference with another friend, um, I heard about hybrid schools. And hybrid schools were taking classical Christian and hybriding it in such a yep. way that some of the time you're on campus and some of the time you're at home. And so for me, I think it was those three things. COVID saying, is there a better way yeah. with discovering Almost and reading like about... forced you to ask that yeah. question yeah. About, about a lot of things, but yeah. particularly exactly. education. And, yeah. you know, if somebody would have told me two years ago, this is what you'll be doing, I would have said, yeah, I, I pretty much doubt it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just been a slow drawing. Um, I think Caleb and I talked about this. Sometimes you run away from things to make change. Um, and we can all think of times we made change because we were running away from something. But this is a case where I think I was running towards something. Mm -hmm. um, and my motivating factor in this has been seeing the end. When I was um, early in my education, there was a book called Begin with the End in Mind. Um, backwards planning for education. And I think that kind of is like a good thing for life. What do you want your kids to look like when they graduate? And start right now, whether your kids are in kindergarten or second or third, and start figuring out how you're going to get them from point to the very end. Mm -hmm. So I think all that has just factored together in really being excited about this concept. All right, if you could matrix-style download the contents of one book, let's say not the Bible, into all of your students' heads, 
Which book would you want all of your students to have just like right? You, do you know, have you seen yeah. the major? Okay. Yeah. You see, like, you know, yeah. I can, I can, I know Kung yeah. Fu, that yeah. scene with Neo. Right. All right. Which book would you want downloaded in all of your kids' heads? Um, well, this is probably a ridiculous book, um, but it was a Smallian Trent, and it was, I think it was called The Blessing, but it's living your life in such a way that, that you are affirming other people and you have preferred futures. And I just like the positivity of it. That mm-hmm. um, So when I did teach, especially the year I taught sick, you probably heard some of this. I might have. Um, yeah, stuck re- with me really remember, <laughs> um, Is I think trying to push my kids in that area of just, you know, having high aspirations, high standards, mm. long-term goals, and not selling themselves short. Mm. Caleb, you get the same question. You get to download a book into all of the students at CRCS's school or in their mind. What is it? Well, this book I have in front of me is actually climbing the charts, um, mostly because of it's, it's changed my mind a little bit. Some of the books that I read um, by, uh, is it David Gatto? Uh, John Gatto. John Gatto, thank yeah. you. The Dumbing Us Down and Weapons of Mass Instruction. Yep. Those were really pivotal in changing how I viewed education. I'm not sure, sure I'd throw that at a third grader. Nah, probably not. <laughs> so the book I have in front of me Let's is, say graduate. <laughs> By the time they're a graduate. Because this is not going to make any sense to a third grader either. Uh, the or Book of it? Virtue. All right, The Book of Virtue. This will make sense to a third grader, not all of it. So part of this book that was pretty cool is it's kind of divided into sections. Um, first is self-discipline, compassion, responsibility, friendship, work, courage, perseverance, honesty, loyalty, faith. At the beginning of each chapter, they give very simple stories, maybe even like an Aesop fable type story that yep. that is very digestible for a child. But in the introduction of this book, they said the author wrote that the a central task for an education is to instill virtue. And I, my flinch was, nope, that's not right. And then I thought about it for about a month, <clears throat> and now I think that that actually may be true. Um, I brought it just to read a couple of things out of the first paragraph. Thanks for that question. You didn't even know that I was uh, going to read this, did you? I, you brought a book with you. I assume you want to talk about it. you got to bring a book. Uh, moral education, the training of heart and mind towards the good, involves many things. It involves rules and precepts, the do's and don'ts of life with others, as well as explicit instructions, exhortations, and training. Moral education must provide training and good habits. Aristotle wrote that good habits formed at youth make all the difference. A moral education must affirm the central importance of a moral example. It has been said that there is nothing more influential, more determinate in a child's life than the moral power of a quiet example. For children to take morality seriously, they must be in the presence of adults who take morality seriously. And with their own eyes, they must see these adults take morality seriously. I think that Linda would probably agree. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but at CRCS, our goal is to produce a child or a graduate of our school that has the foundations of a moral stature that that is aligned by Christian values. So we're going to take these Christian values and we are going to implement them in your morality. And, and virtues is not something to have. I don't have a virtue. Virtue is something to be. And this book is intended to try to give instructions on how to be virtuous. Mm. And so that might be why I'd give it them. 
And I think along the same line, um, the question that I've been asking myself on this journey is really, what's the role of education? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can come to terms with that as a person, a parent, um, as a society, then I think you're and, and that's a hard question. Sure. That's one that's pretty weighty. Um, and then asking if you know what the value of education or what the role of education is. Um, and I think for a long time as an administrator, I kind of saw it as um, we're preparing them for a career. We're preparing them for college. That would have been my knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. So I think, Vocational you know, training. Yeah. Yes. When, when I read the central um, piece of an education is to instill virtue, I was like, no, nah, we got to get them a job. Right. And I think... Linda and we have some of that in Indiana. I mean, we're trying to get workforce development. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but that has to be a byproduct, not yep. a, a primary goal in my book of where I'm at right now. So when I ask myself the question, um, what's the role of education? I think I used to say career and college. Yep. Um, now I think, um, and Caleb and I were aligned on this one when we first met the very first time, but um, I think the role of education, if you're going to be biblical and... Um, is to think about raising children of virtue mm -hmm. that have a love for the Lord. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, I, that, that's success in my book. Yes, it now, is. Now, they have to be able to read, and they have to be able to write, sure. um, but that has probably been one of my big changes, is that that has to be a primary goal, to have virtue and a love of the Lord. Yeah, a, a skillful graduate without character is just someone who's more capable of killing other people, right? Like, yeah. we don't actually have any of yeah. the formation of the person well, that looked, actually matters. I even looked at this um, from an employer standpoint. You so, would rather hire someone with no skills. Yes. But high off the charts character. Not even close. Right. So I... I didn't have that perspective before until very recently where now I actually have a decent chunk of employees. It used to be just me and my wife and Mindy. That was it for, for a while. Now I have 16, 18 employees, depending on whether we're counting farmers. Uh, <laughs> we count farmers. Yeah, we here. count farmers. Yeah, we're in I Indiana. do because those farmers actually have integrity, and I don't have to stand over their shoulder and make sure they're working or sitting with their feet up drinking shout a out. can of pot. Shout out to the farmers. That's right. So Nate and John. having an actual like uh, moral virtue t to where you have character, to where you have integrity, where you tell the truth at, at, at all costs, that is far more important to me as an employer than it is whether or not you know word processor. Yeah, I think you're a little people. behind on your job skills uh, there, but <laughs> when I, uh, I got you. It's more than word. It's, it's more than word. <laughs> from hanging out from me when there you go. Well, Lynn yeah. and I are about as good at technology as uh, as it gets. Yeah, we're good. Um, for me in hiring, when I think back over you know the years that I've managed people as an administrator, yeah. every year I became more convinced that I can probably teach you anything. Sure. But the character, the work yeah. ethic the foundation bring into the, I mean, I can't teach that because it's already set. Right. Um, so I think every year that became background checks, checking people out and everything became a much bigger piece of the pie than, you know, do you, do you have knowledge built in? Yeah. Frederick Douglass, it's easier to train a child than fix an adult, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're trying to train a child, not in skill as much, right? No, it's still right. there. Oh, it's yeah. still, it's, it's, it's a component. It's not either or. Thank you. Know. That is, that's a much better way to say it. These aren't competing values. Um, but one of the things that our school really is committed to, though, is not sacrificing on that. We're not going to sacrifice on skill. We're not sacrificing right. on math. We're not sacrificing on language. Sure. 
we're committed to bringing the highest education that we could possibly bring your child, period. Yeah, we're not trying to build a school that's an easier school. As a matter of fact, the rigor <laughs> Good. that will be built into the curriculum will be, will be a challenge for some kids. But isn't that what we want? We I loved being our, challenged. Sometimes our bar is just too low in All expectations. So kids rise to the bar. And then we individualize from there. We're all different, and you have strengths I don't have. I have strengths you don't have. So we personalize, but let's keep the standards and the excellence committed there. Nick, one of our board members, he teaches his child like 10 things. One of my favorite things he makes his child say is, we do hard things. We do hard things. We do hard things. That's one of his 10 mantras that he teaches his his five-year-old. We do hard things. If you step into the hearth room at my house, there is a sign that says, we do hard things. No way. Because I think that is just, yeah, that has to be, that will come into my office here at CRCS (laughs) and um, will be part of our motto. Hmm. Great. I mean, again, I I think back when I was a kid, I hated when a adult talk to me like I was a kid. Yep. My wife and I always have this ongoing battle. And she's right more often than not. She's like, kids don't know that language. You know, I my, the vocabulary that you use when you talk to our kids or you're teaching a kid's class. And generally, I think, of course they don't. But they're never going to know it if nobody Unless ever you speaks, it. you know. A, the way you learn language is someone talks a little bit above your capacity at all times. If you, if you find this, right, you all read somebody you don't quite understand, you hang out with people that are smarter than you, and all of a sudden you're like pulled up to their level just a little bit. And, and if, if you lower that bar and say, it's okay, you didn't make – absolutely not. I it, think it's our human nature sometimes mm. just be lazy, you know, take the easy way out, you know. Give me a low standard. Microwave it. Two-day shipping. Get it right now. Let's go. But there just isn't pride in that when Mm. you're done with it. There isn't that. And that, one of the things I love about this book, I didn't get into it, but the Book of Virtuers talking about that is something you have to teach a child, the trying to work hard, the instinct to be um, lazy and to not try to work hard and just to take the easy way out. That's inside of all of us. Sure. But you have to teach it as well as model it, as your book was just talking about. Absolutely. Like a really important thing we talk about as parents. Like the way they're going to learn that the most is by watching their mom and dad go, yeah, I'm going to do something hard. Mm -hmm. My parents were not, um, you know, terribly learned people, but it made a huge difference in my life. When we would bring our grade card home, and that was back in the day when they were printed and hand. I remember. I remember getting that grade, oh, yeah. and it was like an eleven and a half. But in the back was your character. You mm. know, plays well with others and is prompt. And my mom and dad, every time the grade card came home, took a long time. They would not look at my grades inside. They would flip it over and look at the back. And my mom and dad, every grade card would say. No, no, before we get into the grade card and I look at your grades, this tells me who you are. Mm. And I can always teach you your inside, but this tells me whether or not I'm succeeding as a parent. Um, that, that was powerful me as a student, mm-hmm. as a child, um, as a people-pleasing, wanting to make my parents proud of me, um, to know that I was in, when I would go out at night on a date when I was older, my, my dad would say, now, don't forget you're a canning. That was my maiden name when you go out tonight. And what he was saying is, don't let me down. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it goes back to that high calling, that high standard. And people, I think people react to it on our pride, our proud of 
attaining it. Absolutely. Can we bring back those grade cards, by the way? There's yeah. a lot of nostalgia for, and a little bit of trepidation. Like yep. I, I, both of them, like I, yep. you mentioned it, and I got to just like a little Especially bit, a like little bit com- of a flutter. The comment section. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I can take my A's to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Krispy Kreme. Which I did not have very many A's. Caleb was not that guy. <laughs> I was borrowing tokens from Luke. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, we're still talking education. Uh, staying broad, and in just a minute, we'll just keep keep narrowing down to to, to see classical roots Christian school. Um, when we think about education, very very broadly, what are some of the missing aspects? I mean, we're talking about character, obviously, um, but when I when I look at trying to train my children. What should some of the things that I look at? Let, let's say somebody's listening to this, doesn't live nearby, not going to be a part of CRCS at all, or it, it just wants to know, like, what do you? What are your thoughts on what are the most important things when I go to look at curriculum or I go to go to look at what am I going to teach my kid? All right, there are a lot of people, as you'd say, who like are newly into this right. homeschool world. Very like, just the look of shock is still in their eyes of like, I have to come up with this, right? What types of things do you think are Maybe, I don't want to get into to specifics too much of like particular books, but approaches. Does anybody? I feel like I'm struggling I, to find the exact question. I'll let Linda think about it because I think I have an answer. Okay, have one big thing. I've been through ten years of of higher level education. Yeah. Um, the thing that I want to pound into my kids' head, if I if I could, Matrix style, put this in there. Yeah. Is how to think. If I can... Like critical thinking. Yeah, common sense thinking, critical thinking skills. If you can teach a human being how to think, you can teach them how to talk. Sure. And if you can figure out how to talk, how many of us in our day-to-day is communication a pivotal thing that you have to do? So if you can teach a kid how to communicate... It starts with thinking. Can I teach you how to correctly think around a problem? And can you then transfer that into speaking? Um, I think the world's your oyster if you can do that. Sure. And, uh, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Jordan Peterson makes a note. That writing is a, just a, a more sophisticated a form, form of, of thinking. thinking, right? Like, so you can think, go from think to write to speak. So I make this... Uh, if, if you don't know, this is Luke speaking. I my work I work at Headwaters Church, and one of the groups that I work primarily with is our, we just call it 20-somethings, and I joke with them all the time, like, stop texting in incomplete sentences. Mm-hmm. The, the way that you write will be the way that you talk and the way that you think, and the most writing that you do is texting, and I know that sounds silly, but use proper punctuation. Write in complete thoughts. Like, oh, it, I drive people nuts because I use proper punctuation. Yeah, I, I refuse. I told my You my don't give 19 uh, exclamation marks. I give zero exclamation marks. I feel like the rest <laughs> of the world uses too many. I'm going to lower the average by my uh, neglect of exclamation points. It's just a ridiculous way to talk. You, you're not that excited about everything. Um, but being able to think, I, I really like the, you know, this, this formation of critical thinking skills where whatever's handed to you is not just accepted. That being said, uh, you, you have to have some tools in your toolkit to be able to look at things and say, all right, oh, I, I noticed you know, the movements of an argument. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really like about classical education, it is really high emphasis on 
well, eventually in the high school years, that rhetoric, right? That, that like if you go from, in terms of classical, it moves from grammar, right? You, you just have to learn a lot of memorization, a lot of uh, the way that words work together, grammar. You then move to logic. It's a bunch of, can, can you recognize a logical fallacy? Can you recognize what a genetic fallacy looks like? What a, all of these problems that show up in our thinking, you go, oh, wait a minute. As soon as you're able to like see those, you'll find them everywhere. That's a red herring. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I see what you're doing there. And that allows you to navigate the world safely mm. or as safe as you can. Sure. And the beautiful thing about this, and back to where we were kind of talking earlier, it enables you to be an effective employee no matter what your job Wherever is. Wherever you are. You're, and prepare just some for that. We're on information overload. Yeah, um, absolutely. We have information coming at us. I know when I was in probably junior high and high school, you know, whether it was a paper somebody was writing, I would say, do you know that to be true? Mm. And they like, well, I read it in a book. <laughs> it's like, okay, but what was the author's perspective? And, you know. What's what the was the publisher? His, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, there's so many, and they would just stare yeah. at me like, I don't know, it was on page 52 in second paragraph. And mm. so um, so I think going back, kind of revisiting um, Luke to reiterate that a little bit, I think that is another piece that really won me over to classical education is because there's a reason why they call it grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Yes. There's a reason why that happens. So can you explain that just yep. for a little bit, the the progression in yep. classical we education? We would not be surprised in our culture to find out that elementary is grammar. I mean, for the longest time, we called it grammar school. Yeah. So that, that has stuck. That one lands. That, yeah. that makes sense <laughs> to most people. I never kinda, thought of that. <laughs> everybody kind of gets that in grammar. Is when Killed you, learns new yeah. things most days. I do. I, I do. When you um, learn your, your basic grammar, your basic math facts. I mean, there is knowledge you need to know. Yes. So, but if you are with a middle school student very long, one of the things they want to ask you constantly is why, 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 why? You know. You don't mean middle school. You you meant? Did you say middle school? I did say middle school, like seventh, eighth grade. Oh, um, they're looking for yeah. purpose looking, behind the, and they the fact that they were given. What you, you well, my two year old yeah. does that. All <laughs> she's she's advanced. Kid. Yeah, she's, she's obviously. Gifted. Also, she's four at this point. <laughs> I so. met my son, who is <laughs> okay. two. He started it on the whys. Yeah, that's true. Nova's done with the whys. Yeah, she's just doing what she blows she's right in, by yeah, that. Don't care. Not compliance. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Um, she gets that, it from her uncle. Those, um, <laughs> okay. Eighth and ninth grade years is when classical education really works on winning the argument. But it's mm. in the matter of, you know, facts and can you document that? Mm. Can you stand? Can you can your position be verified? Um, verified, I guess I'd say. But then it moves into the high school years, which is the thing in middle school. Chris, um, the education works on winning the argument. And right. in high school, you go on winning the person. Mm. So that is a big difference. If I am just going to be stubborn and stick in my, I, I know I'm right, I'm not open to your input, yeah. um, we don't have an adult yet. We don't have a functioning adult who can go out and change the world. Difference so, between knowledge and wisdom. Exactly. In the yeah. last four years that are high school, um, students have to be able to win not just the argument, but have the person skills, the people skills, the wherewithal to be able to win the person over in the area. And that really is a difference for you go from being maybe abrasive to being charming. Mm. And, and, and to be able to do that, right, on any conversation, you have to know and understand and be able to empathize at least a little bit with that person. Right? I think it's John Stuart Mill on Liberty that says that if you only know your side of the argument, you know nothing. Right? Mm -hmm. like you have to understand that 
that opposing position on anything to be able to reason well and for somebody else, right, to be, to like when dialoguing, to feel like, oh, that's exactly how I would have said it. Like and they didn't pers- try to make me into a caricature at all. They heard me and like communicated what my actual position back to me. And I personally think our culture is just bad about that. If uh, there true. was a skill, I mean, basically I have my opinion and if you don't agree with me, then you're wrong. And we just get in different corners. So mm. opening up that skill of being able to listen, respond, um, and yet process with um, good logic skills and mm. see where they break down. Probably one of my best college classes was logic. And I have a hard time watching commercials on TV because I'll be like, <laughs> how were they selling me that product? Like yeah. I saw one last night for Panera, um, which I love Panera. But um, it was about the seat that you sit on. And it had nothing to do with the food. So I was like, so I'm going to go to Panera to spend money to sit on a comfortable seat. I just didn't get it. So. <laughs> note, note to Panera's yeah. marketing company. Yeah. Um, uh, Linda, how much more time do you have? Give, get the Linda questions because I got a little more time and you and I could finish Oh, we're going to finish out after. Uh, that's scary, oh, Linda. Yeah. All Linda's right. Gonna leave uh, and then... t- tell me some more things about CRCS. What else? What, uh, why are you starting something new this late in your career? Yeah, I think um, for one thing, I think for me, it's just kind of taking all the experiences that I've had, yep. both good and bad, sure. you know, because as you go through a career, there's both and just kind of really in heart gratitude, returning it to the Lord, mm-hmm. just saying, you know, you have blessed me beyond measure. Um, you've given me opportunities I could have never have ever um, dreamed of. And so, yeah, I would love to have a chance to um, build something and then hand it off to somebody and just watch and see what God does with it. So that'd be part of it. Part of it would also be the whole, you know, what I learned during COVID and the new exposure I had this. Um, I just want to move towards an education environment that will not be right for everybody. I mean, there will sure. be people who think this is ridiculous. Or, and yet I know there are parents that I've talked with. As I have casually over dinner and lunches talked with people about what I'm doing, um, I have had so many young families saying that is exactly what I'm looking for. Um, so I think young families, too, are looking for something different than maybe my generation did hmm. when we were sending our kids to school. So I think part of it's just listening to parents and hearing some of their frustrations and some of their longings for what they want their kids to do. And I think integrity is a big part of that. Hmm. How do you raise a virtuous child yeah. in our culture? It, it's such a tricky thing because like, when I look at the rate of change in the world— I cannot prepare my kid for, like, specifically for what they're going to face because I have no idea what they're going to face. Like, all I can do is try to grow them strong and capable and virtuous and someone who's who's anti-fragile, right? They're just able to withstand a lot of hardship because it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to be alive. And being able to do that, I mean, it just takes a lot of lot of work. It's hard, hard to do. I don't know that this statistic is accurate because it's been years. Since oh, perfect. Let's it. just throw out some. Uh, but half <laughs> of the jobs that kindergartners, at least it was half when I heard it, it's probably much more now. Half the jobs that a kindergartner will do upon graduation in a career have not been invented yet. Oh, half the jobs. Let me process that. So 50% of the vocations that are going to be represented in a kindergarten class don't exist right now. Exactly. True. Yeah. And I don't know if that's 50%, 40%, but if you think about how careers have changed over, say, the last five, ten years. I was saying, five years even. 
Um, and so you take that forward, you know, maybe 18, 20 years, they gotta, if they're going to go to college, if they're going to get post Ooh, high school. Um, yeah, we don't always know exactly what we're educating our kids. It used to be when, uh-huh. when I was in high school, women came out and were nurses or teachers. You know, and that was just kind of your path, a mother, a nurse. You know, now women can really be anything they want to be. And there's jobs out there that nobody's even thought of that we will be preparing them for. So that kind of says we have to do education maybe a little different. Sure. If you don't, I mean, it's a a classic mistake in in warfare, right? They always say that the general prepares to fight the last war. They're always thinking through what they know. That's a great analogy. But Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you show up to the next war and all the technology changed. And and, I mean, this happens at the beginning of World War I. They're doing cavalry charges into machine guns. And you're like, this doesn't work anymore, guys. That's a good analogy. That's a good analogy for education, though, because... Mm. um, yeah, we can't keep educating students the way we were educated. Right. We think that coding is going to be like the thing, right? We're training yeah. all our kids to code. And then mm-hmm. like what? Two months ago, chat GVT comes out Coded and they're like, all. okay, uh, can we you write me code? <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. This robot just like, sure. Yeah. Oh, maybe we don't need all those coders we've been training. Oh, been no. Been paying 130000 a year. And yeah. that whole thing goes back to integrity. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So what's your foundation for your whole education process is you're going to have so many opportunities to do education different, but where's your integrity and your virtue um, in living that out? Hmm. Caleb, what else do we need to ask Linda about CRCS? So we kind of poked at the fact that you've been in public, private. You were also in... um, Children's ministry, so you were outside of education, but but in church uh-huh. world, church yeah. church yeah. Ed- education. Um, you've now started this weird hybrid school. Um, from the talks that I've had with you, this seems like the most excited you've been about education in a long time. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say perspective, not just education, but also just life. You know, when you get, I'm a grandparent. So as I look back, I love the statement, um, the days are long, the years are short for parenting. Um, Let's face it, when you're raising a two-year-old or a teenager, the days are long. You're waiting for them to come home. The days are, they're tough. But when you, I've not heard parents say, well, I wish I had spent less time with my kids or, (laughs) you know, I thought they would never leave the house. That's just not a very common uh, comment. So I think part of this whole hybrid is what I like is you get two days a week. You can either join and be involved as a parent. There would be room for some parental involvement. But the kids can also get their social. They can get relationships. They can be have instructional days. Um, but then you get three days a week that you can keep them home. And, and it's still can, planned for you yeah, by CRC. I mean, it takes all of the guesswork of You just have to wake up now. in the morning and look at your assignments and walk yeah. through your assignments. Um, in the lower grades, we call that elbow teaching. means that you're not sitting next to them. You're not teaching them. But, yeah, you're not very far away. You're cooking dinner or ironing or I don't know if anybody iron anymore. Don't but, yeah, yeah, ironing. Yeah, what ironing. That's an old skill. Well, um, but you're not very far away, so yeah. they can ask you, and you're encouraging them, and you're keeping them paced when they're younger. But really, what we hear, what I hear from kids that go to college that come out of this, is they're already used to being self-paced. Mm-hmm. They're already used to keeping a schedule. Yeah. They're already used to 
planning their assignments. And so when they go to college, it's like, wow, this is really not a whole lot different than bells ringing. And every 42 minutes, I change classes. And somebody tells me constantly what I have to do and don't have to do. Well, I guess what I was trying to get at was your excitement is very palpable. I want to know before you leave, because I know you're going with some grandkids tonight. What is your dream? Because Luke and I are probably going to have this this conversation after you leave. Five years down the road, what are you hoping the school looks like? Yeah, five years down the road, I, of course, would love to see us. We would have added logic and be in rhetoric, so we'd have middle school and high school grades. Mm -hmm. um, I think the culture, not only do we want to raise virtuous um, students, but that would be our core for our teachers. And I think in many schools that is true. So having a, a stable, well reputation within the community um i think um i just yeah i want to sit back and watch that develop i'm really excited about what the lord will be able to do with this and we haven't really talked a lot about that but a big part of this school is going to be faith-based i mean um teaching students to love the lord their god with all their heart their soul their might um deuteronomy 6 has always been a verse i think it's 6 7 um that even when i was parenting my own students I was at least wise enough to know it is I think if I paraphrased it it's like teach these things to your children which are spiritual truths as you rise as you sit as you walk and as you lie down so really what Deuteronomy is telling us is every part of their day yep. you know from the moment you get up to every activity that happens yep. until you go to bed so a big part of the school is not just that passion but to really encourage parents to see that as being one of their primary jobs. Um, I used to, Jim used to say all the time, he was a pastor, my husband, and he would say, if we gain the whole world to Christ, but we lose our own kids, um, that would be a hard thing at the end of life to know that mm. my kids were not walking with Christ. So um, that's part of it. I, I love parents, I love moms, I love families. So long-term, I'd love to see that be a huge investment. And here is a culture that we open that up yeah. and we support each other and cheer each other on and um, come very unified in where we're going. Kind of begin with the end in mind. Well, that was, uh, that was, that was pretty darn good. We'll good, good place to end. Let's let Linda get out of here. We'll let Linda uh, go play. play we'll keep uh, talking. I don't know when you've you got things to plan here. You don't have to turn it off. We can just let her go and keep rolling on this. Okay. All right. Let it roll. Linda. Okay. Hey, thanks so very much. Linda, See you later. today was a long day. It was. Thank good you day. for was a good day. putting all the time in. Yep. Thank you. Absolutely. See you, Linda. Caleb? Yep. What are we talking about? Well, what time do you have to be home? Oh, I've got a thing tonight at 6.30, so I need to leave soon -ish. 15, 20 minutes at the top. And yeah, I know. I'm watching your kids. Yeah, you are watching my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget. Um, there's a lot of things that we haven't touched. So the Gospel Coalition just came out with this very soft discussion about private homeschool versus public school. Yep. I didn't know if you wanted to get into any of that. I'd love to start talking about what my dream is of tying all three of these problems together, which is the health, um, education, and food. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a big dreamer, and I like to talk those dreams out loud. I don't know uh, how nervous everybody's going to be. what? <laughs> this is news to me. So I think that people um, somewhat get excited about the dreams that I have, because I'm excited about them. And so um, I didn't know if we wanted to get into any of that. 
And then also, um, we haven't really talked about what the relationship with the with the church and what the school is. Oh, yeah. Probably clarifying what that's going to look like. Because sure. people from Headwaters are going to listen to this as well as non-people from Headwaters and what the expectations are and how we're going to try to do this the right way. Those are the three big things that were off the top of my head. Okay. You're in charge now. What do you, you what order do you want to take them in? I want to go backwards order. Okay. Because if we don't get to the Gospel Coalition thing, that's fine. Yeah, okay. So relationship to the church. Uh, uh, so I am a pastor at Headwaters Church, and uh, the school is a what we would call as a, a ministry partner. Um, they are renting space in our building. So it's not a ministry of Headwaters Church. It is its own legal entity. But there are a lot of Headwaters people that are involved, and uh, but by no means is it required. Please don't at all hear that that you have to go to Headwaters Church to be a part of this. Not school. at all. No way. Um, I, I want people from all kinds of faith denominations to to be able. As, as I think as the way we uh, phrase it on the website on our statement of faith, uh, the school's statement of faith is that we teach primary Christian doctrine. All secondary Christian doctrinal issues should be taught and instructed from parents and from the Bible and from history. Can you give me an example of what you mean by primary and yeah, secondary? Yeah, primary Christian doctrine is like the Trinity. You know, like if you take the Trinity out of Christian doctrine, it's it's no longer Christian, right? Like it's 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 an essential characteristic. It's like taking the corner off of a square. Mm-hmm. It's no longer a square. That that's what it is. You can't a square without corners isn't a square. A, Christ, a Christianity without the Trinity isn't Christian. That's definitively so. The doctrine of the Trinity: God is one in essence, three in persons, co-equal in glory and majesty. So that is the the doctrine of the Trinity. That's a primary thing that we will teach at the school: the deity of Christ, that Christ is the incarnate Word of God. He is. God, the second person of the Trinity, as Hebrews 1 says, the exact imprint of the nature of the Father. Um, so things like that. Which the, we will have on our website. Yeah, the statement of faith. Which, by the way, everyone who's listening, when you get on our website, just please give us a little grace. We're trying to make a lot of moves fast. We're going to try <laughs> to have everything look good and be nice, but not everything is... Um, we're playing with live ammo. We're, we're yep. doing as best as we can uh, to get everything up and running. So and just clear. have some grace with us if there's a mistake or it doesn't look pretty or whatever it is we're we're getting there. So those are those are some primary Christian doctrines. Some secondary things like mode of baptism. So if you were baptized as a baby versus baptized as a believer. We're not going to the school is not going to take a position on that doctrinal issue. Yeah, we're not going to die on that hill. No, or uh, eschatology, how how you think the end times are going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, are you a pre-mill, a-mill, post-mill person uh the school is is not going to try to gatekeep at the door and ask what your end times views are. Things like that are secondary Christian doctrine, and I want variety of those positions held within our school. I want people to disagree on those things and uh, to be able to go back and forth and have, have uh, disagreements within families that go to the school in Christian love and in charity to say, hey— we hold the core of our beliefs in common. Mm-hmm. There's periphery things that, that are apart. They're important. They're not, not uh, I wouldn't say they're non-essential, but they aren't, they aren't anything that would cause me to divide uh, fellowship with another believer over. Mm-hmm. So uh, another one would be church governance. Well, do you have elders? Do you have deacons? Are you guys led by a, a, a hierarchy, a presbytery, and you know things like that? The church is, or the school is not going to take a position on stuff yeah. we 
generally like to argue a lot about. We do like to argue on those things. And they're important questions. They're not insignificant. Oh, I didn't mean they weren't important. I know you didn't. But uh, that being said, we should be able to still care and love for We each should other. be able to coexist with those. Yes, yes. So uh, if, if you can't coexist with someone else and disagree on those, this is probably not a good school for you. No, no, it probably wouldn't be. Um, that was a pretty good answer. All right. So, so I'll take it. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people are going to, you know, be wondering about that. Like what, what's mm-hmm. goes on at headwaters. Um, yeah. So it, the, the school is a ministry partner, which means we have a lot of things in common, tons of things in common, people and in common, people. Yep. Uh, uh, we have a desire to care and love for our community in common, mm-hmm. you know, things like that that we say, this is good. This is, uh, we, we align in so many significant ways, we should be able to partner together and work together uh, very closely. So the second thing was kind of the dream of everything. Um, that question you just asked, Linda, five years from now? Or, yeah. 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 Mine's very different. Um, okay. My wife asked me, she said, um, Caleb, this is going to be big. How are you going to prevent it from getting bad? <laughs> She's a wise woman. Don't yeah, that is a smart question, Maddie. Well, of all of the things that I've done, um, and this is I want I want I really need to preface this. I'll probably say this again on the next Thursday night. Um, I was saying for years, I'm going to start a school. I'm going to start a school. I'm going to start yep. a school. My language changed about a year into it, where I said God's going to use me to start a school. God's going to use mm-hmm. me to start a school. I stopped saying I. Yeah. Um, mostly because I felt, uh, for probably one of the first times in my life, maybe second time, a severe tug. And I, when I went before the elders, I think you were there, went before the elders with, with Linda to present this idea of putting a school on their campus, which is not a small thing to think about. And I basically said that, um, I would be at the level of disobedience if I wasn't going to start a school. That's how strongly I feel about it. I remember. And so I think that that speaks to a lot of people. Every time I've said it, a lot of people are like, wow, we really appreciate that you told us that, that you feel convicted. I did not know me feeling convicted was going to be important to people, Mm. but it seems to be important. So the world lacks conviction. Well, uh, I say that out loud. I'm not sure that that's true. True conviction. Well, yeah. There's a lot of... We like... False stuff. Uh... We like cheap conviction. We, yeah. We like easy Veneered. Convi- yeah, that's right. But as soon as you drill down, you're like, ah, oh, you know what? Never mind. I don't really care. And, and that's why yeah. I, I do appreciate what you said at the top of this. Um, I hope that my conviction can be viewed as true because I am not only putting my convictions out there, I will put my money and my time and my mouth on them because I really sincerely believe them. Yeah, I can vouch for that. So... Um, Man, why was I getting onto that? The Goals. we're gonna start a school. We're gonna yeah, start yeah. a school. So, um, part of what I had written down when I said I'm gonna start a school. So I got out a piece of paper and I said, "What is the school gonna be?" I couldn't figure it out, but I could figure out what it wasn't going to be. <coughs> sure. And so I wrote down a few things on what it was not going to be, um, and we can get into those later. Um, but uh, and some of them are really important, like. We don't want to accept state funding. We won't. Yeah. It's a line that I've chosen to to, to not accept. Uh, Linda agreed when, when we looked to hire her on. Oh, uh, I should say that. So the reason why I started shifting my saying to we are going to start a school 
So I put together this board of directors or breakfast club. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them, Kent, who's no longer on it anymore due to time constraints. Kent was great. Kent goes, we need a point person. Yeah. We're like, what do you mean? He's like, dude, this is too much. We need one person that is in charge of all of this that brings these things to the board, and then we help make decisions. And so we all went away and prayed for it for about two weeks, and then literally Linda sends an email to Headwaters, actually, to our dad, saying, hey, have you ever thought about putting a school on campus? And he goes, well, maybe you should talk to my son, because we were already trying to do that. Right. That's one example of many. I think as you described it previously, it was like saying, uh, me and my friends are going to go play basketball, then Michael Jordan called and said, hey, do you guys want to play basketball? That is exactly what it felt like. Yeah. Because Linda, now that she's out of the room, we can talk kindly about her, is exceptionally... (laughs) qualify for this 40 plus years yeah. of education experience from kindergarten all the way through head of school and principal yeah and in a variety and public schooling and private schooling and multiple different private schools as a teacher as a principal as a head of school and yeah. as a children's director in a church yeah she if, which we she will have to work if and we, partner with if we were to create a ideal person in a factory she'd be about five foot one and just got out of that chair yep yeah. so there were very clear things, reassurances that I was like, okay, I'm not doing any of this. (laughs) God is doing all of this. I just get to be a part of it. And it makes decisions pretty easy. It makes being tired easy. It makes working hard easy. Yeah. Because it's just like... Yeah, we just got out of a, what, three, four-hour board meeting, which has become the regular once a week right now because we have untold number of things to try and get together. And I have a lot of people who are telling me they are praying for me. And my wife has been more gracious than usual of me being absent. I've been more absent than usual. Speak of the devil, my wife's gone. I've been more absent than usual because I've tried to do all these things. Her and I's relationship has been better than it's ever been. I have felt an ungodly amount of strength that doesn't feel like off my own. Um, there's a lot of reasons on why it feels like this is more of a sovereign um, quest mm. than anything. Quest? Yes. <laughs> so um, my real vision for the school, something that's that's going to happen um, if – if I get to be in charge of everything, which which for the record he doesn't, so let's just <laughs> let's just clarify that just to make sure everybody. Caleb uh, had, was a lot of the driving motivation behind this, uh, but there's a lot of other people involved, and Linda makes more decisions than both of us combined, and probably everybody involved at this point. But well, it was funny when I started with the school board. I basically I said to yeah, you, yeah, that's right. By the way, you're not a board. You're a a director, uh, you're consulting me, and I'm making all the decisions. <laughs> That's basically what it was. <laughs> but it was just because of the time frame. We need yeah, to make we, things fast. Yep. And then as soon as it got big enough, now I don't get to make all the decisions anymore. If you let me make all of the decisions, you're king for the day. Yeah. Um, I do have a feeling this school is going to get big. How I'm going to prevent it from getting bad is I would like to franchise it in multiple ways all the way across the city. Franchise it. Okay, this is the first time I've heard this. I know. Why do you do this to me? So we would have a Northwest (laughs) chapter of CRCS. You would have a Southwest chapter. You would have one all the way out in the country, maybe where we live. We would have multiple different schools. And I essentially want to have them um, all be in locations or all have have, uh, things that are unique to them. 
<clears throat> and I really want to tie in food, the understanding of how it's grown, the understanding of how an animal is properly killed and prepared for food. Yeah, that, that's an important thing for me. You get to learn a lot of things doing that. Yeah, that changes you. It does. And part of that, I wanted to also learn how that food works in your body. I have said to many people, actually, that's not true. I've only said this to a few people, but I've said it out loud around people that probably heard. If I get my my wish, I'm going to retire to become a teacher and a cowboy. Nice. That's I, that's the end that's goal. The, for the end school. goal for me <laughs> is I will get to retire to be a teacher and a cowboy. Maybe we're running bison someday, and I get to ride on a horse, and I get to go inside and. And after we butcher the bison, I get to teach the biochemistry of the Krebs cycle based off of how this protein turns into energy inside your body. All right. So there's a lot to deal with there. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm not even done. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Keep going. Let's so go. that's so the school gets big. We make multiple locations. We integrate. Yeah. Let's start with one. We're starting with one, just <laughs> in case anybody's interested. <laughs> food education. How does food integrate into this? And then how does uh, skills integrate into this school? Can you learn how to drive a skid steer at this school? That would yeah. be pretty stinking cool if you could. And then can this school also create other businesses? Don't that tell, the students don't tell Brotherhood Mutual that you're thinking about letting teenagers drive skid steers. For all of my Brotherhood friends out there. I didn't say you skid heard, steer. You heard nothing. <laughs> so can this school... Can high schoolers create businesses that they can be part owners of? And can those businesses produce income that maybe hires employees or produces other businesses? All right, you're going to be the cowboy uh, teacher. I get to be the Chrysler Roots Christian School Venture Capital Hedge Fund Manager. Great. I, I get to, We're starting it, a shark tank. Yeah, ain't that the truth? We, we bring the students in. All right, pitch me your idea. Let's go. Well, one got, of, Here's $10,000. You get to start that idea. One of the ministries that is that has really um, been balking—I uh, mean that in a good way—at getting involved on our campus has been the—is it Me Too? Or it's not Me Too. It's, <laughs> it's definitely not Me Too. It's what's the two? The Two Foundation. Two Foundation, yeah. not Me Too Foundation. <laughs> that's, a, that that's, a, that's a different group. <laughs> the Two Foundation, <laughs> which is a foundation that—correct me if I'm wrong—but I think it's specifically for Down syndrome. Uh, I think it's just any uh, mental mental retardation of any kind. I I'm, I'm trying to think if that's the case. Well, they would have to have some any special needs adult. It's it's job training for special needs adults. I think, I think that's probably the simplest so, way. So if you were to get because uh, special needs children have a lot of resources, and then as soon as they turn eighteen, they There's all nothing. disappear. Yeah, that's right. So what the two foundation has job training for special needs adults that. Basically, they run a restaurant, and not just a restaurant. They're running, like, five-star restaurants. Yeah, yeah, good food. So what if our farm makes the food that goes to that restaurant that trains the special needs adults that then provides jobs for more and more people in the community and then also high-quality food? That's my dream. That's what I want to work on. You're going to ride a horse Boom. to work and, jeez, uh, wow, okay. Well, I would love to uh, walk out the door and get on a horse and, yeah. <laughs> Which, 
By the way, I don't think I've ridden a horse since I went to the zoo when I was nine. Aren't you allergic? I'm allergic. Are you allergic to horses? No, no I'm not allergic to horses. No, all right. I'm not riding a horse. Tomorrow. We're going to fix your allergies, remember? Oh, yeah. Let's not talk about that on this, shall we? <laughs> uh, 515. All right. We had one more thing. The Gospel Coalition. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I watched it. I We talked about it. It lacked debate. Like, the debate didn't have any debate in it. And I've I've watched a few of them, and I feel that way. They're, they're trying to be too courteous. Mm-hmm. And, and while I appreciate that at one level, as uh, someone who uh, comes by the debate naturally, that's just, I don't mm-hmm. know, ingrained into me, I'm like, push back. Get, make make them clarify what they're saying there. Are there any limits to that principle that you just threw out? You know, and so I've I've watched a few of them and I've been thoroughly underwhelmed. And I felt that way at, about the school debate. Then they're extremely underwhelming. But maybe the one thing I want you you to talk about, okay, is there's this word that I had never heard of until about six months ago, and you said it first. And it was one of those annoying Luke things where you're like pulling out <laughs> words where I'm like, dude, I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay. And now I've heard that word like 900 times. You're welcome. I was just getting you ahead of the curve. Do you know what word I'm I talking about? I have no about? idea what word you're talking about. What word did you teach me that was like the foundation of teaching? Pedagogy? I cannot get away from that <laughs> word. So pedagogy or pedagogy pedagogical yeah this word keeps creeping into my life because i'm reading more and more material about this like education yeah because i'm trying to learn as much as i can sure um the school that we are attempting to start has taken pedagogy pretty seriously yes can you please explain to people what in the world does that word mean where did it come from well, uh, I don't know that I can give a what does it mean, where did it come from. Okay, but can you clarify it a little bit for us? Yeah, uh, pedagogy is basically how you go about teaching. It's your philosophy of teaching. So it's it's kind of big picture when you're talking about pedagogy. It's like methods and, and what goes into the way you go about instruction. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very big Google Earth view of educating a child. It's not talking about, like Linda mentioned, like theories on reading, right? Like, is it phonics or is it whole word or is it whole language? It's not that. It's, I mean, it, it, that, is a, that is a component of it in a very specific instance, but it's a, like one level up. Pedagogy is just this big picture philosophy of education. How do you go about instructing someone else? So there's lots of different components that go into like, pedagogical questions like is is the lecture the right way right to impart information well maybe maybe it is in some instances <clears throat> probably not in most but that's kind of how and that's a the lecture is a german and prussian invention that we imported and just kind of do it right and one of the great benefits of the lecture you get a great student to teacher ratio so colleges can charge more money right they only have to t- hire mm-hmm. one teacher to teach a hundred students they make a lot of money in that way and I don't, I don't fault them for that. I mean, we're sitting here looking at this. We're talking about a school board budget right now, and we're looking over, okay, how many students? We'd love to have as few students in the classroom as you can. Well, when you start running the numbers, like, well, you got and there's there's just realities you have to hit. So uh, some of it is, is things like that. How do you go about teaching? How do you go about learning? Is there, right, there's all kinds of studies on this that if you tell somebody the answer, they're far less likely, it is far less likely to stick than if they come to the answer on their own. Of course. Okay, that's a pedagogical 
type of approach. Okay, how do I, right? So what is the classic? What does Socrates do? I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm right. Just, I'm just going to ask you questions. Question after question. Question, 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 question. question. Yeah, so, you know, there's questions like that that come into this big picture of pedagogy. There's dialectic, right, which is a conversation. That's this, right? It's back mm. and forth. It's a conversational way of learning. It's different than I'm the expert, you're the the peon who knows nothing, sit down and listen. Um, it's a, a dialogue way of coming about things. Classical um, is definitely, I mean, it, it's, there's still an instructor. Don't get me wrong. Um, there's, there's in, a, in a kindergarten classroom, there needs to be someone who knows more <laughs> than the average human in the room. That being said, um, it, it's an approach that, that seeks to, to not just impart rote facts into a brain, right? Like if I, it's not just a like plug in the flash drive, drag the file over. Okay, good. You got it and see you later. It, it's trying to, as we've been talking about, shape and form character and virtue and allowing a mistake to be fixed instead yeah. of, oh, you got a, you got a D. All right, let's move on to the next. No, no, no. We're going to keep trying. I and, want you to take that test again a week from now. And I wanted you to see, you got to see, isn't that yeah. awesome? Yeah. Right? Like you grew and, and there's all kinds of lines about, right? That, right. You know, what what you're really looking for in life is not to be better than your neighbor. It's to be better than yourself a week ago, mm -hmm. better than yourself a year ago. You're 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 compared against yourself, not against anybody else. And so And I think that that's one of the unique things about these uh, alternative ways of school that are popping up that uh, it's to some a little bit of criticism to the public school. I'm not going to try to poke at them too much, but a little bit of criticism is maybe they forgot to take that word a little bit more seriously. Yeah, I don't think I would agree with that. Because I, I think that, and I mean, I know Maybe enough. they've been around so long that their teachers don't even know what their pedagogy is. Yeah, I don't think I would agree with that one either. So if I went and asked a, just a standard public mm -hmm. school teacher and asked them what the word pedagogy is or what their pedagogy is of their school, you think that they would know what you're talking about? Uh, Yeah, probably. Hmm. Maybe we should do this experiment. Go for it. Go go find out. But I, I, I think it's really uh, it's it's too difficult to to paint with broad brushes there. So I think I think each no. You look at what they're producing or what's happening. This is this is what Linda and I were talking about with COVID. COVID sure made them sacrifice a lot of maybe what their pedagogy was, their foundational pedagogy. Why are we sacrificing the way that we do things? Is this actually the education that we intended to put out? And I just have found it, um, I did not realize how important this school was going to make. No, no, no. How do we do things? Before we try to get into the weeds on what we're going to do, it's how do how you go we do it. Yeah, I, I think it's a really important question. I Again, I, I, would go, I, I don't think I would be as strong uh, in my... Not condemnation, but well, I was just poking a little. I wouldn't poke as hard as you. It was little. A, I know. I, I, what I would say is, we have the opportunity to start with a blank canvas, whereas a Very teacher true. who steps into a public school has, they are getting into a current that has flowing fast and hard, and to try and stand against that current or even divert from it just a little bit is really, really difficult. Maybe a good lesson to learn. 
Yeah. Some, I mean, when you've been at school for 30 years, are you still able to change direction? And I, ho- I, I know many teachers who are, who stand against that current in some ways. Teachers. And, and sometimes, yes, yes, individuals. Um, and sometimes I think the public education does a good job on some things. And so there's some instances in that, right? Like this is right one of those logical things that you're forced to do. Can you look at what, what does it do really well? Well, this is one of the things I really like. I like to fantasize about is public school, mm-hmm. private Christian school, homeschoolers. What if they all saw themselves as on the same team trying to do better than the other guy? And you're like, what are they doing better than I am? What is public school doing better than what we are Can at we CRCS? Change Could we mimic something that public school is doing to be better than them? And then they look at us and go, oh, maybe we should do that too. That would be pretty freaking cool. And instead of saying, well, ours is better than yours is better than yours, that's that's not what we're trying to do. Yeah, no, I, I don't like the antagonistic, this group or this way of doing it is better. No, obviously, like, I have a, opinions on those things. <laughs> I, um, I, I have all kinds of convictions and I have yep. desires for my kids. That being said, I, I am a firm believer in the ironclad law of unintended consequences. Even though I think this thing's going to be good, there's going to be downsides to it that I don't see. Mm-hmm. There just are. There's no way around that. Anybody who thinks, any idealist who thinks they can overcome that is woefully naive and has never picked up a history book in their life. And it's, it's always my answer to most everything. You haven't picked up history. Go read a history book. Just <laughs> any one of them, please. That is your answer. Oh, it's so annoying to me. People come up with a grand idea. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you've never never read a history book, have you? <laughs> All right, the last thing before we be done. Yeah. Just be really quick. Fire. Um, we did it in the, the quick forum podcast that Linda and I did to answer questions. The school cost is going to be $2,200 per child. Yes. There will be um, a, f- a decrease in depending on how many kids are in your family. Yeah. So if your family has a second child, it'll be $2,100. A third child, it'll be 2000 I think that's as low as it'll go. A fourth child will still be 2000 Yeah. Um, and the purpose for this school is to really give the highest form of education that we can and for it to be as affordable as it possibly can so that this is not just a school for the rich. And in doing that, if you're listening to this and you've actually liked what we have to say, we are going to start doing some fundraising for the school to provide an education for people who would not be able to pay for a private education but who desire it. And if you have liked this, have listened to it, and feel it tugged on your heart to give any small amount of money that that you could give um we would be putting towards that so i just wanted to put that you know shameless plug of if you have any money and like what we're doing to fundraise yeah just a little tip when you do shameless plugs don't wait till an hour and 15 minutes in uh, the, the, the listen through rate is probably it gets pretty more low. shameless that way no it's it's more shameful because you uh <laughs> you should have done it earlier <laughs> i think it gets more stupid yeah wow well. That's that's what it gets. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's go home to our wives. Uh, yeah. Any anything else we need to say about the school? You want the last word? You want me to have it? Uh, I think there's a lot of things that I want to say more about the school, and my um, answer to that is come on Thursday night. I think we probably should uh, have at least another one of these. I I want to get to do the uh, conversation where I talk with you about your three things because I think I think I really enjoyed when you did that for Crossroads, but I think teasing that out with somebody asking you more questions to clarify because there were some things on there i thought 
I don't think you're saying that in a way that you intend to. Or that people heard me differently. Well, I mean, there's always two sides to communication. Maybe maybe you said it poorly. Maybe I heard it poorly. But uh, at some level, I thought... We talked about that a smidgen. We sure did. Uh, but if you uh, do that one again, I call dibs on getting to be a I part of it. I was told by people that I need more content and more content by yourself. And it's probably my least favorite podcast. Me just sitting here talking in the microphone. Like, this is <laughs> stupid. So I did one and it was okay. All right. Well... Those people don't know what they're talking about. Let's do another one when we talk about it. Agreed. All right. Sweet. See you. Bye.